This episode is brought to you by marketing consulting firm, the Bonafide Lyrics and Marketing, LLC, where creativity meets business. You can check us out at www.theblm.com for more information on how we help local artists and creatives maximize their business presence. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. It's the All Love No Fear Podcast. Hey. It's hey. the All Love No Fear Podcast. Hey. Check hey. us out. Hey. It's the All Love Oh No Fear Podcast. Podcast. Uh-huh, podcast. uh-huh. All Love Oh No Fear Podcast. Hey. Welcome. To the All Love No Fear podcast with your host, Miss KB, and your co-host, Mr. Mark Metapoetic Bennett. Miss KB is not in today because um, she's, she's away for her today. So what I brought was my two great, great friends. <laughs> First one is the CEO of Suitable LLC, Mr. Dalton Gooding. Hey, what's going on, people? And then we have the CFO of Handsome Home Buyer, Mr. Mark Francis. Hey, what's going on, everybody? All right. So before we get into who these people are, we're going to start it off so y'all have an idea who they are with this Love It or Lose It. Love It or Lose It, once again, we have uh, a topic, and we have four choices, and you're seeing what would you love and what would you lose. Now, how me and my friends usually bond is a lot of times over music, so they look at me because like, they want to know what's going to happen. <laughs> so what um what I have is love it or lose it is groups. There are four groups. Mm. When I say groups, it's mostly like labels that we um, listen to. And I'll say the label before 2005, I'll say. Okay. So these are the four labels. Well, four groups. I'll say four groups. Wu-Tang. Rockefeller, Rough Riders, Bad Boy. Ooh, man. And wow. that's everybody that they come with. <laughs> what will you lose, love? Wu-Tang, that's everybody in Wu-Tang. Rough Riders, the locks we're putting under Rough Riders, not Bad Boy. Okay, oh, all right. Just so you know. <laughs> um, Rockefeller, of course, that includes all of state property, <laughs> all of Dipset. Wow. All of them, um, True Life, all of them, and Bad Boy includes Biggie, Buff, Mace, Kim, Black Rob, G Dep, Loom, all of them. I am not happy about this. Shine. Me neither. This is not good. <laughs> so, <laughs> as y'all think about this, <laughs> we're gonna think about what would you lose, lose first, and what would you love. Are you good? Yeah. Yeah. yeah all right. So who's, who's gonna start it off? Uh, I guess I guess I'll bite the bullet. I'll okay. start it off. This is Mark Francis for those who haven't. Okay, so let's see. If uh, all right, so I have to start off first with who I'm chopping. Who are you chopping? I have to chop, and I'm stammering because I'm not sure <laughs> what's gonna come out. Uh, God, I think I'm gonna have to chop Wu Tang. You chopping Wu Tang? Have to chop Wu Tang. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to kill them. Sorry, Wu. But they got to go. Um, the, everybody, you know what it is? When I think of Wu-Tang Clan, <clears throat> I think 36 Chambers, amazing. 
uh, I think only built four Cuban links. Amazing. Method Man to Cal, amazing, right? So uh, give me give me a little levi- give me a little room here to because I feel bad <laughs> that I'm just kind of throwing Wu Tang in the garbage here, um, but you really gave me no choice. <laughs> so there are a lot of albums that I don't really like from Wu Tang. Okay. So really quick as I'm going through, you know, my memory of all the albums between all these groups, I think Wu Tang had less bangers than. Let's say Rockefeller. Okay. Um, but like when, when I say the group, I mean everybody in there is out th- too. That's why you're killing me right now <laughs> because it hurts me to say, okay, I got to kill Ghostface. Yeah, you, you got to kill <laughs> Method. RZA. I said to Cal. <laughs> I said only Raekwon. only built four Cuban links. Um, um, what's uh, what is oh god, Ghostface Killer? What is his? Supreme clientele. Yeah. You just made me throw Supreme clientele <laughs> in the garbage. I am so mad at you right now. Um, yeah, but when you compare the hits and all the albums against the other three, I feel like you got Rockefeller. Well, I mean, do do I need to say more? I mean, you can't throw Jay in the garbage ever. There's no list where you're throwing Jay's in the garbage. So There is no list. We're, we, we're getting to the love. We're just with the lose right now. Okay. All right. All right. So, yes, the lose is going to be Wu-Tang. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm mad at you. <laughs> Don't be mad at me. How about you, Sir Sir Gooding, Sir Dalton? Firstly, um... Mark, um, I, I don't appreciate the setup. Um, <laughs> right? This is like this is like saying you walk into Chick Fil A and do you want to throw away the nuggets, the spicy sandwich, the regular chicken sandwich, or or some other variation of the chicken? It's all the same good chicken. <laughs> um, but that being said, I'm hungry now. I would, <laughs> I would throw away. Man, I would throw away Wu Tang too. What's happening? <laughs> um, <laughs> What's happening? It, it only makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, sense. and this is your fault. Yeah, it, it's, this is your fault. Fine. You brought like, this on yourself. But yeah. Blame me. That's fine. But reason why I would throw away you can be mad at my choice. But go ahead. Wu Tang is that <laughs> I can recall less parts of my life where Wu Tang has been critical or a, a soundtrack to that part of my life um, than the others. And, you know, when we get into the love, I'll tell you why. But for that reason, Wu-Tang, love Method Man, love ODB, um, definitely um, Raekwon, all of them. But, yeah, Wu-Tang, you you, got to go, man. All right. For me, it's going to be Bad Boy. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Oh, my gosh. We're going to have to throw Mark B in the garbage (laughs) on his own podcast. (laughs) Don't be in the garbage. Oh, my God. I'm just letting you know. Wu-Tang has done something different for me. I can't throw them away. <laughs> they have impacted me different. I can't throw away Method Man. I can't. There's no way I can do that. There's no way I'm throwing away Method Man and Ghostface Killer. It's, it's not happening. It's, it's not happening. It's, no, it's, it's not possible. What? It's not possible for me to throw away those two. Um, it's not It's not possible. I, I can't right now. The one thing that's hurting me in Bad Boy, the only person that's really hurting me like the most is Biggie. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Can I rescind? Is, this would be the first time ever in the podcast. I actually want to rescind. I'm not throwing away Wu Tang. I'm throwing away Rough Riders. I'm sorry. We, we have a conversation about this. Yeah, <laughs> no, I got to throw away Rough Riders. Yeah. <laughs> Let me finish my piece and then we're going to talk about the beef I have with you. 
the way to Christ. <laughs> so in Bad Boy, if I look at all the, everybody in Bad Boy and Locks is not a part of it. Oh, on, no, oh on, he did say that. I did say that. Okay, now I'm going back and throwing away Wu Tang. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah. This is too hard. I'm stressed. Right? I'm stressed out. <laughs> what are we, four minutes in the podcast and I'm stressed out? Yeah, man. I feel like, like this is a huge setup. <laughs> it's not a setup. Got his pressure up, man. No, should have had the nurse on deck for this episode. So, like, Bad Boy for me is like out of because, like, like I said, the only person who out of out of the group that will be bad for me to throw away is Biggie. Everyone else has great albums. I'm not dismissing. I'm not saying all of them else is trash. But if out of those four, the people who I have the least amount of people that I wouldn't throw away is Bad Boy. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, but it doesn't. But I'm gonna let you rock with that because, yeah, I, based off of how I, for me, this is not fair. You just don't like shiny shoes, suits. That's what it is. Yeah, right? You really, you, you really just don't like shiny suits, shiny suits and Harlem dudes. Word. There's nothing to do with that. <laughs> nothing to do with Harlem dudes. I love a lot of those songs that um, from Bad Boy. It's just out of those four, Bad Boy got to go for me. And why are so, you robbing Bad Boy of the locks? I don't. I don't understand. Because they don't want to be there anyway. I can't. I can't. I can't put. I can't put the locks where they don't want to be. The only reason why I'm forced to agree with you is because their body of work that I respect really came after the Diddy era. Yeah. So I will. You know what? I'll give you that. Yeah. I'll give you that. That's one reason I'm saying that. Yeah. All right. So, love. Oh my gosh, I'm just so sir, stressed right now, sir. Sir Francis. <laughs> Let's go with the love. What are you going to do with that? All right, we're going to try to make this relationship work, Mark. But, uh, <laughs> all right, so on the love side, I would have to go with... Um, hmm. What you going to do, man? What you really going to do? What you gonna do? This is so tough. This is so stressful. What you going to do? What you going right, to do? So, so I have to talk through this. I'm sorry for the audience, okay? Right now I'm struggling because it's between... Rough Rider and Rockefeller. Okay. And I'm probably gonna have to go. Like uh, I already know I already know Dalton's love it. I'm gonna <laughs> like, have to go. I'm gonna have to go Rockefeller. I, have to, go Rockefeller. Yeah. I yeah. have to. Oh my gosh, I gotta go Rockefeller. Explain. That was so stressful. Okay, why Rockefeller? Because you've got Jay Z for mm-hmm. one. I mean that's all right. So you know you were saying about how like the only person that really made you struggle with the bad boy thing was big. I feel like Jay-Z, I just, I can never put Jay-Z in a box and be like, no, you know what? There's, there's a list that he's not on. I just, I just can't do that. Yeah. And then when you think about the other artists that followed suit, they've they've contributed too much. They've done like, I mean, there's so many platinum artists. There's so many hits. Yeah. Like you have Jay-Z, Kanye, Beanie, Nori, Memphis, you could, you could Free, Cam, Jim. You got you've got Kanye pre crazy, yeah. Um, pre crazy, post crazy. Yeah. You could throw him, yeah. In throw him out. But, um, <laughs> but but you have the first three albums yeah. still. Yeah, yeah. You got State Property. You know, yeah. you, you got Beans. You got Free, Freeway was killing the streets for years. Yeah. I mean, it, there's just too many. Yeah. And then what, are we putting Cam and Dipset yeah. into? Oh yeah. So it's over. <laughs> it's, it's, it's too over. much. It's yeah. too many. It's too many. I mean, and this is why I'm mad at you because <laughs> why would you throw like I don't know the U.S. Army at Roosevelt? 
U.S. <laughs> Army versus like Wu Tang Clan versus the whole Rockefeller Nation. Like that's not fair. You can't do that. I would. You, I'll be honest with you. I was trying very hard to find the fourth one, and Wu Tang was the only one that was, could be up there. Yeah. Yeah, because, because like I was going back and forth with a lot of play. I was like, what can be in that same category? And the only one that can that would be up there in terms of groups was Wu Tang. Yeah, and that and that's the only reason why it's up there. Yeah, that's hard. I, I mean, I hate doing be- that because who, who else can I put up there? You can't. You can't. And Wu Tang actually all of. Well, I'd say eighty oh, percent of the solo artists. Like, <laughs> like, you throw death row. I would have been happy because that would have been an easy one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we, all yeah. we all would have. We all would have tossed death row. Yeah. We're like, mm, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that's what I was like. It can't be easy. Actually, can we all toss? Can we? Can we go off off key for a second? Well, actually, I want to hear yours. Let me yeah. hear yours. What is? Um. So, I was struggling between two until really thinking about the body of work, as you would call it, Mark Francis. Um. I was struggling between Rockefeller and Bad Boy. Yeah. And at first I was like, oh, Bad Boys, hands down, because Biggie, Mace, that whole era of happy music. And um and you know, it's like, you know, they you know, that's they're the ones. But thinking about it more, from the standpoint of continuous hits and the amount of hit makers that Rockefeller has made, I think it's gonna be have have to be uh Rockefeller. And I say that because from high school, through college, through my first years working, up to now, Rockefeller, or derivatives of, are still making hits. Yeah. Still making music that makes you think about life in a different way. Still making music that tells a story of where people are coming from. And I'm gonna have to rock with Rockefeller. I mean, they also show how to grow up in, in hip hop. They yeah, show how to grow up in hip hop. Definitely, and and also think just thinking back to college, man. Them, them blueprint albums. I mean, <laughs> oh my, gosh. Oh my oh god, gosh. they move different. Oh, yeah. But just thinking back to the to the soundtrack of my life, that was the Jay Z Rockefeller era. Yeah. Every year, freshman, sophomore year. Because because it was a different album. Because remember, there was a time when he, he released one album every year. Yeah, yeah. And, and to the black album, and then like he released like randomly, but every year, every year. Yeah. So yeah, for me, it's, it's Rockefeller. Yeah, yeah, for me, it's Rockefeller too. I'm, I mean, I, I can snap on Jay a little because that you know the H to the Izzo did not hit. hit <laughs> Come me. on, are we gonna H talk about this again? Hit. That did not hit. Like, I love Jay. I, what what, I, what I, I talk about all the time, like we mentioned it before, but like I never like his first single. His his first single is never the is never the song I go back to, Mm-mm. like the, the his best first single might have been, well like in recent times might have been Story of OJ. I mean, th- but yeah, it, but yeah, like because like it was a good first single. Yeah, but that wasn't but, the lead track on that album. No, it wasn't. No, the lead track was four four four. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I don't know. Like I can't. <laughs> yeah. And to Dalton, you were bringing it up like the continuous hits, and I'm not sure if I'm right on you. Might you would know better than me, Mark B. Um, isn't J Cole signed to Rock Nation? He was at one point, but he's not now. Oh, he's not anymore. No, but so, but then some of his works are still claimed under that Jay Z umbrella, though. So I mean, okay, not all of them, but I'm just saying. I only bring it the, up as an example of the that that record label, even though it did split. So then you got to. Wonder what trash works came out of the um, Dame Dash side. I don't know because I don't know who went with him. 
but if you're claiming that whole record label. Uh, only reason I I wouldn't because that's later on because like he didn't come out to like Blueprint three, yeah, er, area and time then. True. So I'm like, <laughs> that's the only reason I, w- I wouldn't put it. Cause I'm trying to like oh, yeah, keep it. Cut in, it. I'm trying six. yeah like 2006. I'm like yeah. trying to keep it in that area. Um, honorable mention because y'all try to play Rough Riders. Um, Rough Riders is <laughs> play Rough Riders. No, no, but like. Reason I say that Rough Riders, I would put DMX, The Locks, Eve, and I take Swiss Beats on there too. See, I was thinking about that because Swiss Beats did did a lot. Yeah, he did. Swiss Beats is the beat maker, but he's not a hit maker because how many of you guys own One Man Band Man or whatever? You talking about his album? His album is trash. Yeah, like so. But his songs are awesome. No, yeah. his beats. His producer. His beats. Yes, his yeah. production. So production, yeah. I mean, like, then it, it just it it takes you down a weird road because yeah. I can't count Swiss Beats as an artist. I don't really... I, I respect him as an artist, but not as, you know... But but even if you do that, I would still put them high because, like, you still have Rockefeller and you got Just Blaze. And you got DJ Clue. Y- you know, here's the thing with those... Art, those <laughs> That's what I'm trying no, to say. Like, those DJ, DJ Clue is, is Rockefeller, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 and, yeah and, and so is Just Blaze. Here's yeah. my thing. Like, Just Blaze, okay. Yeah. You, you win because of Just Blaze. <laughs> That's Just what I'm trying to say. Is, That's what I said. He's on a, Just Blaze. Yeah. Just Blaze is different. Just Blaze is a little different. And, he's a little and, different. <laughs> he's different. That's what I said. Like, even if you try to take the producers from each one, yeah, it's still a little different. One will argue, though, to some degree, that the artist makes the producer in some aspects. Like, because you have Jay-Z. Like, I mean, Jay-Z could rap over Dalton beatboxing and me farting, and it will sound hot. It would. Like, but Just Blaze killed, made, made it different. He did. He did. He did. <laughs> uh, like, even, like, the story of, like, how he got signed to Rockefeller is crazy. I don't even know that story. I don't know if we have the, you know, can we? Can, yeah. We, we, I, like, so I remember he did an interview, and he was talking about, like, how during the, I forgot when it was. It might have been a, during the Blueprint era. When like they were coming in asking people for beats and everything, so he came in. He had a beat, and he was like, "Yo, you had a crazy beat." They walked out the room for a second. Just Blaze had like a drum pad and made a beat right then. What? And He's they a came beast. In, and he came what? and they came back in. They was like, "Oh shit, what's playing right now?" He was like, "Yo, I just made that." He was like, "You just made that right now?" He was like, "Yeah." He was like, "All right, your office is right there." Wow. <laughs> While he was waiting. Yeah, he was like, "Your office is right there. This is your room. Whatever you want, let me know." Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so I did not know that. So Just Blaze is crazy. I mean, and I feel like Rockefeller snatched up a lot of because obviously they had Kanye, but then yeah. they also had Trackmasters. Yeah. So they really had, and they was out how to sign producers. Yeah, they yeah. knew how to sign producers. They were signing producers. That's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, they win hands down. I guess <laughs> now that now that we've talked it out. Yeah. I mean, I'm still stressed and upset. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, what's up? Yeah. Not to say they didn't have any trash artists. I mean, i.e. Emil, but. <laughs> you know, but I, 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 think, I, I think everybody's gonna have some artists and everything. Yeah, like that don't do too much. Yeah, I think the ringleader of that and the four are Bad Boy because they yeah. used to recycle and, artists and, like and, every other week, and that and that's why I, I couldn't put Bad Boy up there. No, no, Bad Boy was never gonna win in my book personally. I don't know if you were struggling with that, Dalton. Yeah, you were you? Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know, I, I, know was. A bad, I know he's a bad, bad Boy fan, though. I know yeah. he is. Are you a Bad Boy fan or are you a Biggie fan? Bad boy fan. No, he he's like bad. I like Mace. Like, I even like Diddy's album yeah. Victory. Yeah, he, he, oh, okay. he's a, he's I mean, a bad boy. Uh, fan. Yeah, yeah. He's a bad yeah. boy. Fan. No, Victory was Victory was the good one. Yeah, I, I was, was ever was, was the bad one. Yeah, I was, I was the surp- only good one. I was surprised you didn't choose Bad Boy. Honestly, I was like, he's gonna choose Bad Boy. <laughs> he's gonna choose Bad Boy. I know he is. 
Because he, yeah. he's a bad boy fan. I know he is. But, I, you know, I just, you know, again, I just had to think about it in just the soundtrack of my life because that's how I look at my life, like different songs throughout different periods. Where was I? What was I doing? And Rockefeller was just there through most of it. So, Word. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. For that reason. Yeah, the yeah. soundtrack of my life would definitely have a lot of bad boy music. Yeah, would, bad, bad boy. Bad boy had a lot of good, yeah. good songs. I'm not knocking that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just they can't hold artists for nothing. I wonder if we fall out of love with music. Uh, let's not go down that road. <laughs> I was gonna say because uh, you know it's like you grow and then you hear different things and you experience. Like four 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 hits me so hard now when I listen to that album. But if I had listened to that when I was 16, I'd been like, this is trash. What is Jay yeah, doing? But, like, but that's what makes a good artist is when they grow with the people who yeah. stay with them. Because what Jay-Z was putting out before hit with us at that time. And as he grew, we grew too. <laughs> so, yeah. we hit, so it just hits different. I, mean, I think yeah. the best artists grow with the grow with their core core audience. Yeah. That's, that's what true. I think. I mean, there's, but there's a lot of like just fans of the hits you yeah, know like yeah. who really kind of drive what goes on the radio and things like yeah. that so it's like an album like a 444 may not resonate with people who like the traditional hits. hits yeah you know like h the izzo i'm not gonna bring it up again i'm sorry stop <laughs> hating on that song when i came back sophomore year that song was hitting <laughs> Didn't they have like a parade, like for yeah, the video? They, they might have. Yeah, it was something crazy. It was. It was. All right, I, I said I was going to talk about it again. With them jerseys. <laughs> the jerseys. <laughs> Why are you bringing? The, you are baiting me. You are baiting me to talk. Um, like I think I think the biggest hit on four forty four was like bam, like biggest like club hit was like bam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say it was bam. I, I love that song yeah. too. By the way, but yeah. Um. But yeah. So before we get into our topic, I just want to quickly give um, Dalton and um, Mark Francis a platform <coughs> just to, um, because we're the, also, I'm also the CEO, one of the CEOs of um, Bonafide Lyrics and Marketing, one of the owners. And we want to give the platform to people with new businesses. So we're first going to give um, Dalton Gooding a platform just to talk about his suitable. Um, he stays suitable. He stays suited up. <laughs> Every t- um Real quick, just so you know, I've I've known Dalton since two thousand four, so it's Matt Long. It's a long time, and he has always stayed fresh at all times. <laughs> so when I see that he's trying to work on fat in the fashion, it makes perfect sense. He stays fly. Word. If you see him, he stays fly. <laughs> so I'm giving the platform to uh, Sir Gooding to come and just talk about his business. Appreciate you, Mark. Appreciate you for being the battery in my back. Um, so suitable. So not spelled traditionally, but it's S-U-I-T-A-B-U-L-L. And it's where Wall Street and Fashion Ave meet, hence the joining of, of the two words suit and bull and, and via suitable. And so this is important, um, men's fashion or men's styling, because the way we look dictates the way we feel many times. And it certainly dictates the way others in the outside world view us as men. And so taking that in consideration and me being, you know, um, who I am and, you know, growing up not really being that extroverted, right? I knew that in, in taking pride in my, in my appearance that it improved my confidence, right? Uh, but also even more so when I got into the corporate world, I realized that, taking a focus on my appearance 
took made others take notice of me more so. And so noticing that power and perception, I said, you know, need to create a business around this and help other men to achieve the same thing. And so the services that we provide are style consulting, whether it's trying to figure out what you want to wear to work, what you want to wear to an event, or if you want to revamp your closet, we provide all of those services. Uh, we have a website currently, www.suitable.com, where <clears throat> we give advice through our blog. Um, if you want to reach us, we're at contact at suitable.com. That's contact at suitable.com. We're on all the media outlets, Instagram, suitable, at suitable, uh, and Facebook as well. And so, again, fellas, if you want to get your, your style right, reach out, and we'll be happy to give you um, our best uh, service in that way. Yeah, please, please check him out. Like I said, he stays fly. Please go to suitable.com, check him out, um, register, get more information about it. If you need information for prom season is coming up, <laughs> talk to them. Uh, Father's Day is coming up. Talk to them. One more thing. Just came out with a new post on Friday um, called Socially Suave. So if you're going to those spring events, um, you know, Kentucky Derby just passed, but we have Belmont Stakes over here on the East Coast and the Web Clico Polo Classic and um, whatever rooftop party's coming near you, you want to get right for it, check out that post. They'll give you some good advice. Yeah, check out the post from Tips. Like I said, um, he's here. He's here to help style you, get you together. <laughs> want to try to figure out how to style up for your next date let him know <laughs> he got you all right and next we have sir francis uh-huh. sir mark francis yeah, cfo of handsome homebuyer hey guys how you doing um handsome homebuyer is a local long island fix and flip business uh we acquire properties all throughout long island and a few in queens we're starting to branch out a little um, if you are looking for a turnkey home, um, please go to handsomehomebuyer.com. Uh, we also have a second company called Captain Permit. Uh, if you have any permit issues um, with your property, we can expedite those, get those done pretty quickly for you through the town, whatever municipality you work for. Uh, if you are putting a deck in or if you're doing an addition on your house, in fact, if you're even changing out your kitchen, these are all things that require permits from whatever town you live in. Uh, we make it a very um, seamless process to keep construction moving. If you're uh, a flipper and you hear this, um, if you're doing full gut renovations, you need permits. So reach out to CaptainPermit.com or follow us on Captain Permit on Instagram. And I'm pretty sure we can take care of whatever issue it is that you ran into during your stop work order. And for you flippers, you know what a stop work order is. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, word. So anybody who needs renovations, when you flip, you're trying to flip a house, yes, contact them, let them know. Um, I'll try to make sure all that information is going to be on the website for the contact information for both both suitable and for handsome home buyer. So just contact them if you need any of those services. Let them know. Um, if you want to, uh, more information on your business or anything like that, or we just email us and we can, um, put it up there also. Just let us know. Thank you. All right. Appreciate you. Word, word. So we're going to get right into our topic, our topic. So 
the topic we want to start with is just um, this this notion of being the man in the house, right? Um, it's just notion that um, people have created that the pressures of it we kind of feel. <laughs> we kind of feel this pressure um, a lot of times, especially when you're um, married, father, and just trying to like um, maintain that, maintain what's going on, and like. There's actually a definition of man of the house in Webster Dictionary that <laughs> says taking on all the responsibilities of the house and being in charge of the responsibilities of the house, which is which is interesting that's in the Webster Dictionary <laughs> when I, I saw that. I had no idea. <laughs> I, didn't, I, know that. I, I didn't even like, know they did phrases. I was like, oh, is that? Okay. All right. So I know but when you're being in the man of the house, a lot of times you just feel a lot of pressure. You feel a lot of pressure. So... You you always feel sometimes you feel this pressure of like you have to keep everything together. Um, a lot of times you feel like um, when when even though things are crazy and things are going around the house, you feel like you have to like you feel like as things are going crazy, I got in your mind I have to figure out how to pull it together. <laughs> a lot of times that pressure you feel and everything, and like how do y'all how do y'all handle that pressure <laughs> that you feel? A lot Man, of I'll I'll kick it off. So. Yeah, that pressure can be real sometimes, man. And having having a sounding board really helps because nine times out of ten, someone else has already gone through this. Actually, ten times out of ten, someone has already <laughs> gone through this besides myself. Um, so, you know, I'll I'll sometimes reach out to um, you know an older friend or even one of my one of my friends that you know, like a, either one of you two that may be going through the same thing and I'll bounce something off of you to say, well, well how do you handle this? Um, but mainly you know, trying to feel that that trying to trying to handle that pressure of being the man of the house and figuring things out, you know, it is real. Um, and sometimes it comes to a point where you have to have that discussion with your spouse that you are in it together. Right. So then, you know, you got to put heads together because that's, you know, kind of your that's your, your your partner. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I um, I the funny thing is, I feel as if like it's it's a societal pressure <laughs> to feel to that's have so. this pressure, like in terms of um being the of the pressure we put on ourselves, we like societal pressure of like this guy's the man in the house. He, sh- he he's the man in the house. He needs to be able to do this. So we feel that pressure a lot of times and like. It, even if our wives don't say it, we feel like it's the pressure on there, and like we, we like we feel as if like we have to do that. And I'm not, and it can be part true in terms of us um, what they believe, but also a part of it could just be in our head yeah. <laughs> you know, about how we feel like we have to act, and that's where like I guess um, our ego gets get to get to hold of it sometimes. <laughs> so we feel like oh I got to do this because I'm the man I got I got to do this, and so like. How, like that that's that, that's the kind of pressure I feel like I I feel sometimes like we we, we all feel like it just feels just like we just trying to pull it together. <laughs> yeah, it, it's I mean it's a challenge and I think there is um societal pressure and the traditional way of thinking about a relationship and you know men are supposed to lead and they're supposed to take on all the responsibilities which obviously is an outdated concept. Yeah. You know when you get married, it's a partnership. If somebody, if your partner is stronger than you in a certain aspect, then yeah. she should lead. Yeah, it yeah. shouldn't be because you're a man. Yeah, you you do it all. You know, <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, 
I think it is easy to get caught in the traditional thinking yeah. of how a relationship should flow. And again, I don't endorse it. I don't think it's a healthy way for your relationship to flow. I think that if your wife is better at managing the bills, then she should manage the bills. Yeah. You know, if you're better at doing that, then, you know, maybe you get real good in the kitchen. Maybe you're a, a, a sick chef. I, I don't. I think it can flow. It just needs to flow to people's strengths. I do struggle myself, and I, I I feel blessed by God to have, like, you and Dalton to bounce ideas off of when I'm frustrated um, with certain things. So it, having the right, the right people around you, I think, makes that pressure, alleviates that pressure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you said some, some interesting things, um, Mark, to the effect of um, – you know how how you feel when you know society puts these pressures on us, right? Um, and I think sometimes it's not just society, quote unquote. Yeah. But it's also what you see growing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, which sets the expectations of what you may have for your own marriage, right? So if you grew up seeing your father go to work for fifteen hours and bring home the money and you know, your mom did everything else, then that may be what you're expecting for, you know, your own particular marriage. So a lot of times it's it's what you see also that, that kind of sets that tone. Yeah, and that, that's also probably where, where, where conflict can happen if both um, people saw different things and responded to it differently. Yeah. So it, it can even be both, both, um, both people in the marriage had that outlook of the father doing everything, but they responded to it differently. Yeah. So one person was like, "Oh, I want to do that." The other person was like, "I don't want. I want something the opposite of that." <laughs> yeah. So that, that that clash can happen too, in terms of like how that works, everything. Um, even like the um pressure to just be a good father, a lot of times just and trying to like balance everything while being a good father. And I, I think I, I, f- I feel that pressure right now with like my small child, yeah. <laughs> just trying to like make sure I'm a good father all the time. So like. I'm like mining everything I'm doing and everything. I'm, I'm like you overanalyze <laughs> um, constantly. Yeah, um, all of us. Yes. <laughs> I, I remember um, I was talking to a coworker, and they were talking about how like after um, their child was born, they got they like they felt like they like certain things. They got anxious, certain things, and I were like, I think you get anxiety when you have a child. It just happens. <laughs> just like you might not not have had anxiety before. But you got it now. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that was my thought, too. I was just, <laughs> as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, really when the the pressure hit me on being the man of the house was when Elena told me she was pregnant with Ava, my yeah. first child. Yeah. Um, that, like, it was, it was great. I was overjoyed. But then I thought about, wow, I'm going to have a whole life that is dependent on me, you know, this this child is going to come into the world, and when something happens, I get the phone call. Yeah, you know, if something happens, I'm dealing with it. And as I'm saying this to you, I even realize where it's it's not just me; it's me yeah. and Elena. Yeah, but, but it's just the pressure. Yeah, it's just the pressure. It's, it's just you you feel you feel the pressure. You're like, oh, I gotta, <laughs> and like, and I, I have this conversation with Kristen sometimes. It's just like sometimes like you hear the things that your wife says. And like you try to react to it, and like sometimes they're just they're just talking, but you just react to it differently. Like yeah. they're like, 
they're like, um, I just, I just want to um, quickly, uh, like, they might say, I want to stay home and watch my child. They might say, I, I just want to stay home and watch my child. And, like, they, they might not be able to because, like, they, um, we have too many bills. Yeah. <laughs> and they can't, yeah. they can't do that. They can't stay home and watch their child. Yeah. And, and like, that pressure, like, oh, I need, I want to make more money so they can do that. Absolutely. And it's like, and they might just be saying in passing. They might just be saying in, um, they might just say in passing, like, oh, I just want um to be able to stay home and everything. Like, and we all just want to stay home and just with their with our child and everything. But it's just when they say that, it just makes that pressure. Like, oh, I want to make sure that happens for you. <laughs> so now, like, let me just work extra hard and everything. But they're like, oh, that, I'll just say it. So it's like even like those little small comments. It just makes you, or they're like, uh, wish we could afford this or we could do that. And you're like, all right, let me just try to figure out how to make sure we afford this. Right. <laughs> and it's like, and like, even though they just say in passing, they're not really giving a directive. It's just you hear it and it just makes you feel like. Yeah. I need to, I need to fix that problem. And it's not like life <laughs> is bad. Like life is is really good. I mean, we're all blessed to have, you know, a roof over our head, a vehicle to drive, yeah. uh, clothes on our backs, food on a table. Like that's not a problem for any of us, thankfully. But you know, again, when you hear those those comments, or you know, someone said, "Oh, you know, their coworker stayed home for two years," and it's like, "Oh, okay, well." That ain't in our plan, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how we'd make that happen. I mean, if it came to it, I mean, yeah, but it's like, yeah, you do get that pressure of, well, you know, you want to find out a way, find a way of being Maybe able to provide the option. Yeah, of doing that. Right? With, without, you know, having to eat like ramen noodles for three years or yeah. something like What's that. What's ramen noodles? <laughs> I, I never did ramen noodles in college. I don't know if you can I talk will about, not start now. I don't know if you can talk about ramen noodles in this, in this oh, podcast with oh. Kristen. Kristen does not subscribe to it. Okay. <laughs> she, oh, okay. I'm sorry, Kristen. <laughs> First of all, Kristen doesn't I, subscribe I, to a lot. Okay? She doesn't. She yeah. doesn't. I love you, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you on not subscribing to it because I did not either. Wow. Not in college, not ever. But I, th- I think you and Kristen have the same level, same level of, of bougie in terms of. Yes, <laughs> yes. I will. I will. Mark, own you rocking that. with me on the ramen, right? I, I, will, I will yeah, own that. I don't know that. Yeah, that's what we, word. High five. These guys high fiving without me. Yeah. It's all good. Kristen, <laughs> I, I get you when you get back, man. <laughs> I don't understand how you you don't rock with ramen, but you eat Domino's pizza. <laughs> I had to put you on pizza. I'm sorry. Why do I think about the past, man? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Scott. I'm sorry. Just, you're, you're, I'm sorry. I do eat Domino's pizza. It's my pizza. insecurities. <laughs> <laughs> it's my insecurities. <laughs> My manhood insecurity. <laughs> 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 like, we try to say my baby can't eat ramen. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to joke. Yes, nah, you did. This is this is a serious podcast, nah, a very serious topic. It's um, not a serious podcast. No, I'm <laughs> no I, I I vibe with everything you guys are saying. I I and to put my life out there, um, Elena, my wife, is a teacher, and when we had our first child. We had recently um, created our first rental property, um, and we moved into my parents' house. My parents live in Florida. They told me, hey, look, I'm going to sell my house. And I said, no, I'll I'll basically buy it over you. Just keep it. So I I lived there, and I rented a house, and Elena stayed home, you know? And the cost of childcare is crazy expensive. Yes. No matter, I don't even know if it's a New York thing or if it's a everywhere thing, but in New York, childcare is very expensive. Yeah. It did not make sense for <laughs> Elena to go back to teaching in a private school. So we decided she would stay home. And right there, 
instant pressure. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, in a lot of cases, I'm fine. You know, I go to work, I make money, come home, pay the bills. It works out. But then you run into a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and when you yeah. run into a problem, yeah. you have to think of a solution. And your solutions can sometimes be non-conventional because, you know, if you don't have it, you don't have it. You have to figure out a way to get it. Yeah. Um, part-time job, whatever it is, you know, you, I, I hustle, I make it work. But that in and of itself is pressure. Yeah. It's pressure to provide. And, you know, Elena is great. She's always supportive in everything I do. Um, leaving corporate America and actually going to flip houses for a living, which is now that HGTV has got a million shows that do the same thing, there's a ton of people in the space that do yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So we had me and Charles had to find a way to innovate in that space to exist. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's it's a challenge. Yeah. It's a challenge, and I had to go to Elena and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And if you think it's a bad idea, tell me. And yeah. that's the type of relationship I have with my it, wife. You should, yeah. Um, if this is crazy, I don't want to do it, <laughs> but I think it could work. Yeah. What do you think? And to, to, to bring it around, I feel the traditional way of being the man of the house is to not have those conversations. It's to just do it, and mm -hmm. I can't. I can't operate that way. And you shouldn't, right? Like, um, mm -hmm. like we we, we said we we're going to talk about this, but I guess this kind of brushes in. We'll, we'll, we'll double back. Um, prenups, oh. right? So people like um, have like a big view, a lot of strong views on prenuptial agreements and everything. I think the prenuptial agreement comes from a few things. It comes from um, the outlook that whoever has the most money has and the outlook of the person who doesn't. <laughs> it's just, and like, and like, and their outlooks are different. That's why there might be a conflict into it. And I think looking at the conflict, looking at the outlook from both sides might, I guess, resolve it. Like, I don't believe in prenuptial agreements mm -hmm. at all. I don't believe in anything to do with them. And I, under, I understand both sides, but I, I understand why it's important, regardless of the difference in money. Because I, I guess I'll, I'll ask your view, and then I guess we'll go into why, what I feel. <laughs> like, what, what, are you, what are your views on prenuptial agreements in general? Do you want to go first? You want me to Yeah, so this has, changed, um, this has changed over the years. At first, I was like, oh, you know, well, how could you... You know, how could you think about money per se when you're getting into a marriage? And, you know, if you're together, you're together. You shouldn't be thinking about breaking up. But things happen. People change. And unfortunately, when people don't change together, things don't work out. Um, sometimes there are sour feelings. Sometimes there's vindictive behavior. And so I think that in, in, in a situation where you have someone with, with more money or or more assets coming into um, an arranged agreement, which is marriage, um, that you should have some protection, right? Just so that it doesn't become an object of focus. It's almost like saying, well, all right, we have this prenup in place with certain stipulations because it's not just cut and dry, right? You give you stipulations based on whether um, one of the people were unfaithful or whatever the case may be um, as part of that overall agreement. So, if you have that in place, now the money becomes something outside of the main focus. And it's like, all right, we can just focus on each other because I'm not worried about, you know, that. So, um, go ahead. Oh, no, you, you 
Finish your thought. I, I was gonna ask you. So, are you? I guess your 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 take on it is if you come in with a certain amount of money into the marriage, and then protect it that way. I mean, like a ridiculous amount. Correct. More like NBA player versus. It doesn't even have to be that. So, like, if someone is a millionaire versus someone who maybe isn't, and they have assets and all these other types of complicated. Um, Aspects of their life, right? That if it had to be divided, it would be a mess. So then, what do you what do you say about the um, couple that they it didn't start off that way, but it grew that way? Oh, I mean, you mean like an Amazon, like a Jeff Bezos? That's exactly. What I was oh yeah, she, I'll, I'll she, get to that. she definitely earned her earned her um her place in that combined business. Correct. So yeah. Uh, that, oh yeah, that, that's what I want to get into. Hands but, down. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I. I mean, it's not very cut and dry, my opinion. Personally, I do not believe in prenums. Yeah. Prenuptial agreements, I don't believe in them. But I think it's being, like, I'm a product of my environment. I My parents didn't have a prenup. You know, maybe they didn't They didn't have anything. So what was the prenup going to protect <laughs> <laughs> them from, you know? Uh, my dad's Nova. <laughs> um <laughs> So no, they they built their they built their wealth together. So I never saw a prenup. But for me, prenups and this is a little deep. Well, it's not really deep, but I feel if you're dating somebody, you're gonna date someone of your elk. You're gonna date somebody who's yoked with you in most situations. There's not too many people running around who are going to be worth fifty cents who are gonna run into a Jeff Bezos or run into a Jay Z. I feel that. If your relationship is birthed with somebody, they're going to be similar to you. Like uh, the extreme, a Jay-Z and Beyonce. Um, Something more normal, let's say a Dalton and a Mona, you know, Mark and Elena. So that's why I can't really go with prenups. I, I think that when you're willing to go the route of a prenup, and this is an extreme hot take, I think your marriage potentially is going to fail because you like Mark said earlier you're thinking about the end. Yeah. When you're signing a prenup, you're thinking that this could fail. And I can't imagine going into a marriage willing to sign a piece of paper that says in case this doesn't work out. I mean, I take marriage very seriously like for those who know me like my dad has stage 3 Alzheimer's, my mother will never get remarried. Yeah. She's like I got married once. Till death do us part in sickness and health. And that means so much to me. So there is no prenup. There is no, I'm married once. You know when I won't be married? And I probably, I have to check the the details. If something, God forbid, would happen to Elena, that's it. That's my one. It's over. (laughs) You know, like, I don't, I don't, I can't enter into something with a back door. Or else I feel like I don't have the respect for the thing that I'm going into. Okay. Yeah. Makes that makes I, sense. I'm I'm glad it's a problem that I don't have to worry about because me and my wife is you know we're about that Drake life started from the bottom now we're here yeah. <laughs> or or on our way there yeah um so like for us like we we started at the very beginning of our careers together um and then you know through each increment she went up then I went up she went up then I went up and and that's how it just continued to to grow so I'm thankful that you know you have someone who struggled with you. And, you know, you're, you're at a place now where you're both doing well in your careers together. So, you know, I'm glad that's not 
my concern or, or worry. But for those who it is, <clears throat> I would think that, you know, if it's that broad of a difference that, you know, it is something that, that you may want to look into. Um, and I think even more so if you don't have that great of judgment of yeah. people and you're kind of a fly by night. Oh, you know, I met you on Tuesday and by Saturday <laughs> night we're married in Vegas. Then, you know, you, you, you might need you might be the person that needs a prenup more than the your average bear. And my, my rebuttal to that would be you're don't a person married. who shouldn't be. Thank you. Don't get married. Don't get married. <laughs> like, exactly. why, why are you playing the marriage game? True. But a lot of people don't have that kind of quote unquote common sense. Right. Which is why they need a prenup so, because so, they do it. So what you're saying to me, marriage doesn't mean the same thing to them that it may mean to us. That's OK. But still, yeah, it's still, still it still means that they're entering into agreement that will more likely fail. Yeah. Like, so you know, don't, like, don't, that sounds expensive and don't get married. It, exactly. <laughs> but, but they but they could afford it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's dangerous. I can't. I can't, which is why it, it took me six years <laughs> to get married. <laughs> six years of dating and, and being together and engaged and all that to get married. Because I want to make sure that, you know, this is forever. Yeah. Not even for the money reasons. That that completely aside. I want to make sure this is forever. I only want to do it once. My par- parents married over 40 years. So I want to make sure that this is forever. Yeah. It's- Certain people out in the streets... Here today, gone tomorrow, and I'm. I just don't want that for my life. It's too emotionally complicated. Yeah, I, I, I think like um, I always see like the big debate when it comes to the prenup. That's why we kind of want to bring it up because they always talk about how like um, one person would have the business, the other person would be at home. Um, I guess watching the kids or taking care of the house and everything like that. And they, they would say like, oh, it doesn't make sense if they get half. And I don't agree. I think they should get half because. Yeah. The reason why you're able to do what you have to do is because they're at home taking care of everything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're yeah. at home taking care of everything else. That's why you're able to do what you need to do. Absolutely. Can I throw a monkey wrench in that? What? What if they're at home not taking care of the kids? They're at home with the nanny, and the nanny's taking care of the kids. And they're not really doing anything except some real housewives that, of that woman didn't Orange give you those County. Kids. That woman didn't give you those kids, though? I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm not saying me. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying. Not, I'm, no, I'm just. I'm, all I'm doing is attacking your rebuttal is, like, she she gave you the kids. Though. Oh yeah, definitely, you know I mean? like, yeah. definitely. But he said, "Take Mark." Mark Bennett just said, "Take home, taking care of everything." If she's not taking care of anything, oh, okay. then then where then where do those situations fall in terms of they deserve to be taken care of? It's it's hard for me to to separate out like those those little things. Like I don't want to call yeah. them little. It's, it's it's you got married, you had kids with somebody. And they maybe your wealth has afforded you a lifestyle where they don't have to do things that my wife has to do, like, you know, put the kids in maybe and take them to school, clean the house, do all these. She takes care of everything in the house. If my lifestyle were to afford her the ability to not do those things, I don't think I would discount it. Yeah. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. I wouldn't discount it and go, well, you know what? I got the bag. So now that we've got like the nanny and the driver and all those other things, you really shouldn't get my wealth. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do that. That's not, that's not how that goes. I can't. Yeah. I don't think it rolls like you, you, you could, you, if, if that was your big case, don't pay for the nanny. Mm-hmm. Real talk. <laughs> I mean, don't pay for the nanny. Yeah, I'm with you, Mark. I'm with you. If that's your big issue, don't pay for the nanny. And I respect it. It seem like the dude would just be making a decision to get the nanny or not 
the the, the man white of the house, the, son. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no nanny. You're right. <laughs> no nanny. Get that nanny out of here. Nah, son. Watch my kids. <laughs> no Consuelo in my house. <laughs> no, no, no nanny in my house. No, no, no. no but I mean, you, you're making it seem like again, like the man can make all the decisions, right? And so, if, in, in those scenarios, they they can't. I need a nanny. I want a nanny. Right. Yeah, I, I see your point. I mean, there's there's always going to be gray areas, right, yeah. Mark? Like, yeah. There's always going to be gray areas. Yeah. But I still feel that you can't discount yeah. if if your marriage were to enter into a place where it was division of assets. I I don't think I could go the route of mm, you, you didn't earn half because we had all of these things in our house that made your life so much easier. I feel like that's a messy yeah road to go down. Yeah. Nor do I think it's fair. Not yeah. even that's messy because, I mean, you know, marriage is real mm-hmm. talk for me personally. I'm not speaking for anybody else. Um, yeah. Oh, all of these thoughts of the opinion of Mark Francis, not of <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I just think that marriage can be messy. And, yeah. you know, that's why it's such a, you know, it, it's it's a beautiful thing, but it's a difficult thing. Yeah. And if you're not ready to make those types of decisions, then you shouldn't be married, um, in my opinion. In my opinion. No, it's, it's true. True. Yeah, and um, I'd like to double back. Um, I I guess that's if you if you are the one um being a provider, I understand like why that um why people have that mind. Like I said, I understand both sides in terms of it. So like, if I feel like the pressure of doing everything is on me, this this is just devil's advocate thing. It's not how I feel, <laughs> but like if I feel like the pressure of everything is on me, and I feel like I'm doing everything like that. And then I fi- I realize that I don't want to be with this person anymore, and then I leave. And then the judge tells me to take half of what I have and give it to that person who I feel like I was doing everything myself. Mm-hmm. I understand that feeling and like that pressure of it. Yeah. Like I, and like I said, it's all ego. It was everything like from there. Yeah. It's all ego, but like I understand where that the, the pressure, the mindset comes from. <laughs> right. It's not saying it's right or wrong, but I understand where the mindset can come from. Yeah, and divorce and, is and real. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and that's and that's all I was trying to say in that example I was giving, because that's, I mean, not my view and not my reality either. But if the guy is out there feeling all that pressure, um, whatever it is on his job and his wife has all of these amenities and, you know, she's not necessarily contributing in the other side of it, like how we say, you know, someone who doesn't have all of those helpers, the driver, the nanny, the housekeeper, whatever to do then, yeah, that dude would feel some kind of way about giving half because she's not really contributed to the partnership per se. Yeah, like... In, on, on on multiple levels. Yeah, which, which like I said, I understand where the mindset is coming yeah. from. I don't, I would never do it, but I understand where the mindset is. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's good to always understand where the person's mindset is mm-hmm. <laughs> before it happens. True. Um, and with a lot of pressure, I think a lot of people go through stages of kind of depression and, like... A lot of people, a lot of men, I think black men specifically, go through stages of depression, but they don't know it's depression mm-hmm. and everything. Um, I was looking at different things and different signs of de- of depression, and like it's a lot of things that I've seen or like maybe I've experienced myself that like you might not know it's depression as you're going through them. Um, so for instance, like losing focus. <laughs> Loss of focus, like depression can slow down a man's ability to process information, thereby impairing concentration on work or other tasks. Mm. Um, anger 
is like a symptom of, of depression. Men at times manifest hostility, aggressiveness, and anger when depressed. It's more than irrita- irritability and can strike at the smallest things. So like a lot of people just think of anger as just hostile, <laughs> but like a lot of times it might just be a result of our depression. A lot of times what we do and do certain things. And of course you have like the substance abuse, um, suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. But like those two things, anger and loss of focus, I realize because like sometimes like I have like lose focus come like when things are happening in terms of money issues or stuff like that like I, I lose focus <laughs> and like like I'm I'm supposed to have I have a, I feel like I have a lot of things to do yeah. and sometimes like I, I just like lose focus on what I have to do next or what needs to be done by this time and someone calls me like oh you're supposed to be here I'm like ah <laughs> and like and I'm not sure like it might be like I feel like I have to try to self-diagnose to make sure I'm not going through stages of depression <laughs> at I wonder, times. How do you, I mean, just because how do you self-diagnose? Um, I, I try to see what, um, why do I do certain things? Hmm. Um, how, why do I react a certain way? Uh, because like, for instance, like, um, if every time you, you have a, like a room you're always in and it's always messy, and everything like that, and you like you have no desire to clean up anything, and like every day you come in, it's not, and you just like, and and like you just feel like, why, <laughs> like it's just, and just like you just, it just takes time of self reflection. It's time to like sit. You have to like always take time and sit back, and which is self care, yeah. a lot of times. Which like the, it's it's a hard thing to do sometimes, especially when you have a lot to do. You just I think gotta sit back and like analyze what's happening, analyze what you're doing, analyze. um why you react a certain way, like something happens, you get upset. Like, why would I be so upset? <laughs> I feel like I would get lost in doing it. That not that 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 sounds like a great way to do it. I just feel that if I'm if I'm emotional about something and I'm depressed, I will rationalize it and go, "Well, it's justified that I feel this way, or it's justified that the room's not clean." I personally, I, I need like a third party. I need okay. someone to come in and say, "Mark, you you." <laughs> you need you need help. Okay, which which which, which is which is true. I, th- I think yeah. a lot. I think a lot of people might need a third party, which which is a problem because like a lot of um black men specifically don't self don't diagnose themselves yeah. or don't are, aren't diagnosed. So like some statistics I found out is adult African Americans are twenty percent more likely to report serious psychological distress than adult whites are. Wow. Adult African Americans living in poverty are two or three times more likely to report serious psychological distress than those not living in poverty. Among men ages 18 to 44 who had daily feelings of anxiety or depression, non-Hispanic black and Hispanic men were less likely than non-Hispanic white men to have used mental health treatments. So meaning black men and Hispanic men are less likely to use mental health treatments or less likely to go for treatment. <laughs> I wonder what that, what causes that. It's the, it's, 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 it's cultural. It's yeah, a lot, it's it's a definitely lot of things. cultural. It's cultural. It's, because it's a stigma. It's a stigma. So it's like yeah. a lot of, like <clears throat> mental health is a big issue. It's a big issue that um we have in the black community. And it's, it's a big issue because we don't diagnose, um we don't recognize diagnosis and like go get help because we always like, oh, we don't want to go for that <laughs> and everything. We, we, we don't diagnose. We don't, Go for help. We don't see psychiatrists. We don't want people in our business. <laughs> Correct. So it's like we um, and like we and a lot of times we do. And like, 
I feel like a lot of black people need it just 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 for like daily racism. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying? Like like cuz like it can't be healthy to take that in all the time. Like it can't be healthy to like constantly take that in all the time and just deal with it and just keep moving forward. It can't be that healthy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like and like constantly feeling like you have to be um act a certain way and there's pressures of moving a certain way and like even like I remember like the men's retreat we went to last year and was like how black men are always known are always um stigmatized as being overly um masculine for everything. Yeah. So mm. it's not we're angry. We're black men angry. <laughs> we're more angry. Wow. We're not we're not um sexualized. We're over sexualized as black men. We're not like <laughs> like everything is over as black men. So it's like it's just so much and I I'm like I say it can't be healthy <laughs> to like be going through all these pressures and everything and still have to navigate. I, I I I always say that um it's it's always interesting that um people don't under don't um believe in white supremacy, but I think the reason why people don't believe it is because if um if they believe it, that means that they have all the advantages and we're still doing better than them. <laughs> that means people who do not have the advantages are somehow succeeding better doing better than you and without it and but that comes with a cost i think fighting fighting for everything you feel like everything you're doing is fighting (laughs) like there has to be some kind of psychological pressure that we have to go for so i feel like everybody should if you feel something just it's okay to go to a psychologist and just just talk (laughs) just what what you're going through just talk it out like I i don't like i know people who just go all the time just go every like two or three months just to go, and I I I think that like something that I want to develop just to start going just every two just to talk and just like don't just make it it's not a stigma doesn't mean you're crazy <laughs> just just go, and just just go for that. Yeah, and and I think also just knowledge is power because a lot of people don't know that seeing seeking help is as accessible as anything else, right? So knowing where to go for the resource, knowing how to pay for it, sometimes your health insurance can pay for you to go and see a therapist. And so having that information readily available for people to be able to do that, especially in the minority communities, is is essentially important. Um, so, again, knowledge is power in, in that sense because, you know, people think they have to jump through hoops, do certain things, even if they have a, a small, small interest in going to see someone. So passing that hurdle of the stigma, okay, now they've decided they want to see someone, they may not know how to approach that. So. I think there's got to be more of of the exposure within the minority communities on how how to do it and and how to how to pay for it. Yeah, um, I actually um, I just thought about it right now. Um, it sounds like a segue, but it wasn't really a segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, 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 I'm I was helping Thoy um, do an event with the um, all of us on minority affairs. Um, it's on a, a discussion in mental health. Um, it talks about black people and mental health, and um, it's on um, May 30th at 6.30 um, at the African American Museum in Hempstead, New York. And um, Kristen's going to be singing, and I know I have a friend who's going to be doing being on the panel. <laughs> but um, if anybody's interested in going, going through there, but there's going to be people talking about just mental health. It's supposed to be to start the conversation. May is actually Mental Health Awareness Month. So just to start the conversation, um, it needs to be had. Like I, think, like I said, I think mental health is a big thing. Um, that we just need to talk about more. 
Yeah, in general. everyone needs to have someone to talk. I, here's the thing. Do you... Mental health is very important, obviously. I just... I wonder sometimes if people don't see that the need for it for them personally or if what you guys are saying, like you're saying that, well, people don't you, people don't want people in their business, you know. I, I, don't, I don't think people see the need. Like, for instance, me, me and Kristen talk about counseling all the time, mm-hmm. marriage counseling. It is, it is interesting how many people we know who did not do marriage counseling at all and what, before they were married. And, like, it was such a necessary part <laughs> of us getting to where we are that we were like, we're shocked that people didn't do that. But like, I don't think, I think people feel as if like, oh, I have a hold on this <laughs> and I'm good. And you don't know what you don't know though. Yeah. And I think yep. that's, to your point, I think you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And you don't know until like, oh, this, this is like people who are like always screaming and fighting all the time in their relationship. They just think that's normal because they've seen that. Yeah. So like right. they don't know that this is not a normal thing to do if they if that's what they see. That's that's what it's exactly what I was getting at is the <laughs> fact that if you grew up in a household where maybe people should have had counseling and didn't, <laughs> yeah. then that's all you know. Yeah. So you don't know that this is not normal. And do you think and this is a question I posed to both of you guys. Do you think there's more people out there that need counseling that just don't know it or people out there who know they need counseling but just refuse to get it? I think more people don't know it. Um, know it. If, if Yeah, I, I think more people don't know it because there's it's an insane amount of people who need counseling. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, like, even going to marriage counseling, I think it's insane. Like, for instance, like, like, I, like I said, I, I'm a very big proponent of marriage counseling. Just looking at marriage counseling by itself when you're when I went to marriage counseling with um Reverend Damon he talked about communication so we like we saw like a lot of things like communication and everything was a big part of the whole counseling so now like we constantly see just bad communication everywhere <laughs> we see it everywhere and you're like oh this is this is terrible communication <laughs> I'm but judging you, <laughs> but we just see it we just see how yeah. like how like Two people are talking and they're not saying the same thing to each other. Yeah. yeah. So one person's saying one thing, but what per, what what person other person listening listening to? Is that the same thing that, that's being said? Yeah. And and so they're responding to what they heard, which is not correct. <laughs> and that communication constantly happens, and that that has happened in my family. <laughs> that has happened, and people people I know like I've seen them about to get married, and they have that communication. I'm like, you have to work on that. That it's a big, communication is such a big thing with that yeah. because like. I could be talking to you, and you, you're, if you assume what I'm saying is this, you're going to take it a different way. You're going to respond differently. And instead of res- me responding to how you took it, I'm responding to how you said it. So cause you, now you're saying back to me with an attitude. I'm responding back to an attitude, and now it's just a conflict yes. <laughs> without being addressing the problem. <laughs> so, so Mark is out here low-key looking at it like, yeah, you guys don't need to be getting married. <laughs> <laughs> Don't but like, it, it just, it, y'all didn't get no prenup. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just, it's just so many things that like you, you just see that um the conflict between that, and like, so like, me knowing about that, that's why I said I want to make sure I go for counseling just for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think marriage counseling, I think we're we're doing being good with that. But I think we, even if you go through all the marriage counseling in the world, if you don't do your own personal counseling. Is there will still create a rift because yourself is still having issues. You might be good together, but how are you by yourself still matters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think 
that everyone should get counseling number one before you get married. But I think even at every significant life-changing event in your marriage or in your family, you should go for counseling again. And every point in between that you need, but especially at those points where you have a kid yeah. or if you have a death in the family of, of someone who's very, very significant, a parent or a sibling or otherwise, um, those are just really, really key parts of a relationship or marriage where you need to say, all right, this has happened. Let's go and talk about how this might have changed us either, you know, overtly or subliminally and how can we get past it? Because there's some stuff going on sometimes that we don't even realize and we're just kind of going about the day and things are, you know, moving about and we're reacting to, to, to um, outside stressors and we don't realize that the way that we're reacting is because of this huge, you know, life circumstance that's happened, right? So, yeah. I mean, case in point, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize that having, having my first kid would be such a life-changing event. It was such a huge adjustment for me personally. Right. And and so, you know, I was I stayed home 3 weeks. So, the first 3 weeks of his life, uh I was home with my wife, going through it, you know, lack of sleep, you know, help with the bottles, just, you know, in the trenches with the wife. And I gave her so much props because, you know, she was home for a while with him. Um, you know, his first 3 months. So, you know, just realizing that, and it was summertime too, so not being able to necessarily go outside, mm-hmm. do what I do what I want to do, because previous to that, you know, we, we would always come together, but we would have our space. Like, that's one thing about my wife and I that works for us is that we, we love having our own space. We always come back together. But, you know, she has her sister, her mom. I have, you know, my parents and, you know, my sister you know, hang out separately, come back together, sometimes hang out together. We have mutual friends, you know, including the two of you. But, you know, just not being able to kind of move the way that I was used to moving was a huge change. And so realizing, you know, changing my mood and the change in, you know, the way I was reacting, you know, definitely warranted talking to, you know, you guys firstly, but also other people who were parents and seeing how they handled it, right. how they handled the change and how, you know, they got through it. So, you know, definitely always good to, to have a self-assessment at all of those um, life-changing um, events. Yeah. And if you don't talk to someone professional, at least talk to somebody around you who can impart some kind of wisdom and help you through. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, having people around you who are in the similar situation of being a parent and I mean how many things have we bounced off one another yeah it's it's I don't want to say it's the only therapy I need because obviously like sitting down and talking to a professional helps you know yeah. it, it helps gauge whether or not you're making the right moves you know but I I don't know Th- that's that's where I get hung up a little because I feel I could have a conversation with you for an hour and I'll be like, and I'll just be like wow man I'm, I feel so much better about that but do I need to do a deeper dive? You know, which, which, which is possible. And I, I think, I think, um, like I said, my suggestion is always just just go to a counselor just to see how just to have a conversation, talk it out, and just talk it out. <laughs> and I think, like I said, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> like I, I think, I think we just plan to just do that. You just um, talk it out and just talk about 
things that I care about and everything. Um, I'll, I, when I go to this event, I'll see if um, there's anybody there who like who has good recommendations and everything. Just go there, just so I know it, it's it's hard to just just Google counselors in Nassau County. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's that's gonna come out badly. But <laughs> but like I'll see if I can get a good recommendation and just go from there. And then anybody I find out, I'll talk to you about it, and then we we'll, we we'll just we'll work it out. Yeah, it's cool. So I want to move forward with the um, artist spotlight. So the artist spotlight this this week is Ms. Rhapsody. Rhapsody is a strong rapper. She is a strong hip-hop artist. Bars. She got the days. bars. <laughs> she has the bars. Um, she grew up in, North, in um, North Carolina. She started rapping in college at um, North Carolina State. She, um, she, she rides with Ninth Wonder a lot. Ninth Wonder is like one of the people she rides with a lot. I think Ninth Wonder people signed her. He helped her with a whole album. <laughs> so Ninth Wonder vouches for her. She has a song with Black Thought. If you have a song with Black Thought, you have to be fly. You can't you can't do a song with Black Thought. Black Thought will not do a song with you if you're not fly. So just understand that's the level of bars she got. <laughs> True. Like Black Thought can be on, on, on par with her. So what I'm gonna play is a song called Layla's Wisdom or for an album called Layla's Wisdom. It's the intro track. This track is fire. She is fire. Um, hold on, let me just grab it real quick. Um, so if you like it, please listen to it whenever you get a chance. She will she will bless your heart. <laughs> she will bless your heart. All right. Layla's Wisdom by Rhapsody. Check my balance. You a better way from skid row. 
currently who are your top five artists so who wants to go first and then i'm gonna get into yours um yeah i'll go first okay all right so does it have to be any certain order it could just be top five yeah um mine is all over the place but i'll say blue out in la black thought jay-z oh let me repeat that okay so we got blue out in la black thought jay-z J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar. Word. I respect it. Mm. So, mine is, you said you did say current, but I'm thinking like just in general. I, I didn't say current, just, just live. All right. So, live. <laughs> so, I got Jay Z, Ghostface, Q Tip, Busta, and Lil Kim. Yes, Lil Kim. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's cool. For me, top five, I think we all got Jay-Z. Yeah. <laughs> um, Andre 3000. Ooh, good one. Mm. Black Thought, Most Death, Royce the 5'9". Mm. Wow. That's my top five. It is. <laughs> yeah. Royce the 5'9 is ridiculous to me. I listen to his songs at all times. But um, speaking of that, um, a lot of times... Um, when you talk about music and everything, people always think about, like, what do you look for in a good song? Like, everybody has different sliders, right? Um, I would say, like, some people, like, put flow high and everything else. Somebody put just the hook. Somebody put the um, content. Somebody just put down just lyrics, because lyrics and content are two different things. Yeah. Um, somebody's put down, like, how the verse is laid out, how the song composes, how it's produced. Like, what what makes a good song for you? How do you, like, put your sliders usually when you do it content is number one for me okay I, I need to get something from the music lyrically that I can resonate with or I feel is clever um, if I'm looking for to be entertained I may pick up a Jadakus album because like his metaphors and similes are crazy to me um, if I want something deeper then I'll look at like I said blue out of LA or I'll look at a black thought or most. I really love they put most stuff on there. <laughs> most most will always give you something yeah. deep. So for me, it's 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 lyrics, creative lyrics, and then uh, delivery. Um, delivery is probably the next thing I put on there. Yeah, I think delivery is big on that too. Yeah, because I mean, you can have bars 
but if your delivery you can't is, say it, can't yeah, say it well. Yeah, yeah. certain people um, just can't deliver. And I listen to a lot of artists on YouTube who, um, if if you like this, try this. Like YouTube has that where they'll give you suggestions. So I listen to a lot of like underground artists, and I go, okay, let me give this guy a shot. But the delivery isn't there. The yeah. lyrics are there though. And yeah. I'm just, man, if he could just change his flow or mm-hmm. something. But I'm not an artist, so I would never want to, you know, critique. I see people really go in on, on comments. Yeah. And I'm like, I hope the person who's saying that. Sitting at the computer. Yeah, yeah. Like, just tapping those keys away. Computer thugs. I'm going to be an accountant now. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, seriously. Let me get back to these spreadsheets. But personally, for me, just the lyrics first and then the delivery. Yeah. How about you? I've always... I've always been of of the of the beat. Yeah, I would say you say the beat for you. So I mean, beatboxing when I was younger, playing around with making beats when I got a little older. The beat has to draw me in. Um, if the beat or at least the intro draws me in, I will listen to the rest of what you have to say. Um, and the delivery is definitely important. As I've gotten older, bars have been definitely important. You know, what's your message? What are you saying? Um, does it make sense? Is it just rippity bippity boppity boopity? And you're just saying a bunch of stuff that rhymes. <laughs> not the, the boppity boopity. Drop splash I mean, banana. <laughs> exactly. Damn, I mean, splam. If it, are you just saying a bunch of stuff that rhymes but don't make any sense? Oop, bam, surprise. <laughs> that it rhymes. <laughs> Probably be a hit though. But um, you know, it, it has to make sense. So. Beat, um, delivery, and lyrics making sense. So you're not you're not rocking with rapping Dalmatians. Hmm? <laughs> 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 Remember rapping Dalmatians? Yeah, that beat go hard. Yeah, that beat is hard. Yeah, <laughs> can't, can't say those words on this podcast though. <laughs> you don't remember rapping Dalmatians <laughs> from um, Brown Sugar? Brown Sugar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brunch. Yeah. I, I think yeah, the, I, I think for me, content has always been up there. That's the reason why I like certain artists like Royce, like um, Joe Budden. <laughs> I like him as an artist because mm-hmm. of content. Yeah. Um, Jay Z has mad content. <laughs> yeah. I, I've I've I I said this a few times. Like I think people are recognizing it now. But Jay Z for a long time was an underrated lyricist. Now he was an underrated hit maker. People know he makes hits, but he was an underrated lyricist for a long time because people didn't really go for him for lyrics. He was like, oh, now nah, he's just here for the radio. <laughs> But he was always good with lyrics. So, yeah, content's really high for me. <laughs> yeah. Delivery's really high for me. Um, the beat is, is is up there, too, in terms of um, me for, for me to listen to it consistently. Right. Um, but that also plays into why um, I don't put Eminem as high as everybody else does. Because I feel like Eminem has great songs, but I can't say there's a lot of songs that he has with a lot of good content. He has good songs with content. Like, he has songs that have good content on there, but he doesn't have a lot of great... He has got a lot of songs with good lyrics. Yeah, I think He's, Joe he, Button said this on his podcast a while ago, where, you know, where he, you know, he likes to... He'll put you up on the pedestal and then basically chop off your legs. Like, yeah. So <laughs> when he was going on a rant on one of his – and shout out to Joe I, – I love the Joe Biden podcast, so yeah, that's yeah. not a this. Um, but he had said um, 
I think he said M was the greatest rhymer of words. Yeah. But not in a negative way. And I thought about that. But it's true. It is. It's the truth. It's it true. Is, he is. He's probably the greatest rhymer of words. Because he's, he's a scientist with it. Yeah. Yeah. He's so clever. Bad scientist. He is so clever with it. But it lacks in the content. It lacks in the content. I don't. I don't. Like, there's, there's very few songs I, I will listen to again from Eminem songs. So there's a lot of songs I hear first time. Oh, shoot. That's a good song. That was, that was cra- crazy how he did that. It was cute. I just say I was gonna, I was going to say that, <laughs> but, but the, the certain songs I'm like oh shoot that was fly how he did that how he put that together because I can see like how he be going to certain pockets how he put in certain words like it, yeah. it, it's crazy how he does it, but what I listen to again I don't know. There's not a lot of renegades in no in Eminem's catalog. No, no. there's not a lot of renegades. He, he a lot of good there's features. not a lot of stands. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of great music, but for my appetite. It's not. It doesn't work. I don't. Yeah. Like the certain song, like No Love, is great. But, yeah. Yeah. But like, it's just certain. It's, but it's, how many it's, tracks are you getting like that? It's not a lot. Yeah. It's not a lot of those. And that that that, that has my only um been beef with um Eminem. And has I, been. Eminem will tell you if you listen to some of those old interviews. He knew he had a hit when he listened to it a bunch of times, and he got annoyed with it. I heard him say that in an interview. He said, "If I listen to it a bunch of times." And it starts to annoy me. I'm like, this will make it on the radio. And, you know, <laughs> he's like, like the real Slim Shady, um, uh, that, that, that the hit on his second album that was all over the radio had, a, you know, a weird beat, yeah. you know, very unique beat. Um, that track, he said in an interview that, yeah, you know, if I listen to it and then I get tired of it and it just starts to annoy me, I know, okay, this is going to be the one that's going to make it on the radio. <laughs> and... Those aren't songs that no one's bumping that song today. No yeah. one goes, oh, let me go dig in the crates for this crazy Eminem song. They're not picking up any of those radio hits. No, yeah, no. I mean, I could be crazy, but I mean, I listen to the radio and I don't hear. When they go into the Eminem bag, yeah. they're getting something like a renegade. Yeah. Yep. The, you know, hey, hey, well, but the people who you're yeah. talking about are the people who are usually who are hip-hop fans. Yes, you're right. 100%. Yeah. There are people who are not hip-hop fans who listen to Eminem who listen to those tracks. Because Eminem means a lot of non-hip-hop fans to the to that world. Yeah, he brought a lot of non-hip-hop fans into the culture. Yeah. He absolutely did. But they don't listen to anybody else no. but Eminem. No, I, went sure. to, I, look, I went to college in upstate New York in Plattsburgh. Eminem was like God up there. <laughs> they couldn't they couldn't spell Jadakiss. <laughs> like they were like, oh Jay Z, yeah, yeah, he was on Jay Z was on Renegade. Yeah. Actually, it was Jay Z's song. <laughs> no, no, no. M was on Renegade. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like so. he brought a lot of people to hip hop who still don't understand hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> so, which which is interesting. Um, so another question I want to ask you: What is your, what is in your playlist? What what do you listen to? I'll start with this one. So, songs I've been, I, the albums I've been listening to like a lot, like on nonstop. Like there's other ones that come out, and I'll go back into it. But my the five albums I listen to back and forth is Rap City, Layla's Wisdom, Jay Z Black Album. I still go back to that. <laughs> Snoop Bible of Love. That album is way flyer than it ever should be. <laughs> I got it. I'm gonna embarrass myself and say I haven't listened to it. That so is. Now I gotta add it to the playlist. That is. That is. That is the best gospel album <laughs> I've heard in years. Really? I promise you, it is the best gospel album. You've been holding out on me, Mark, because I've <laughs> always asked you for new hits, and you're mad. You're a little selfish with the new hits. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that has been the. That might be like a song I play one time. Just hit. that. That is the best gospel album I've heard in a long time, wow. and it's mad songs in there. 
Really? Yeah. Snoop might be like missing out on his gift as an A and R. He might miss his gift as a gospel A and R. He That's might miss deep. out. His gospel A and R gift. He's missing that one. <laughs> so, so, so Snoop, you calling Snoop like a like Kirk Franklin two point oh? <laughs> Kirk, Kirk's not A and R though. Kirk, well, Kirk, he's just production. He's, he's production. He's a producer. But to a degree, he, he he's an A and R, but not like Snoop's A and R bag is different. Yeah. Like that song is different. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, and he has mad artists on there, like Charlie Wilson's on there. Wow. What? <laughs> um, Jazzy Faye, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Album's different. He's like, he's like, rap dudes, come get this gospel bag real yeah. quick. It's like really? Ty Tribbett, and then you have like Molly Music. Like, it's different. It's a different album. Wow. Noted. <laughs> Noted. It's a different album. What else you got in that playlist? Um, Lecrae, All Things Work Together. I played that song for you before. Yes. Yeah, Lecrae. Yeah. Is, so Lecrae, All Things Work Together is an album where like, I feel as if like I remember one song he had out album before, which is called Anomaly, where he was like talking about black issues, and like he got a bunch of backlash about it from like because his audience is mostly like um, um, mostly Caucasian white people, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there was like, nah, you can't talk about race and everything. He was like, nah, son, I'm about to go hard now. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just hit him with mad songs. I love that album. That album's art. I love that album, and then. Meek Mill Championships. Yes. Yo. Yeah. That yes. album's different for me. Yes. Like, I go back and listen to the intro way more often than I should. <laughs> I listen to that song a lot. The intro. Um, the song with um, Jay-Z and Rick Ross. Crazy. Yeah. Love that song. Um, Trauma is good. <laughs> Trauma's my joint. Yeah, there's a few songs in there that I can just keep bumping for a while. So that, 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 that has made it to my rotation. I knew it was fine when Dalton told me I had to listen to it. Yeah, he <laughs> was like, oh, Word. "Dalton yeah. is a very harsh critic." So yeah, and so are you. Yeah, I mean, so what, what you got? got? Playlist, what you got on your playlist? Me. So I'm gonna start off with with Meat Mill Championship. Yeah. Oh my God! Like <laughs> listen to that album. I listened to that album late, by the way. It's a 2018 album, but it took me till 2019 to finally. Put some respect on it. Um, I did listen to the whole to the whole thing all the way through, and I didn't hit the skip button once. Mm. So starting with trauma, trauma is my joint, and I think the great thing that he does is use a lot of '90s, 2000 esque type of beats and production, but flip it in a 2010s decade kind of way. He tricked us. He did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he definitely did. He tricked he us. He definitely did the bait and switch. Because yeah, like he, he um, because like he, when I heard the beats, I was like. You're trying to get us. Let's yeah. see it. Let's see what's yeah. happening. <laughs> like 80s babies, where you at? He said he was in New York when he recorded the album too, and and you hear it. Oh really? We heard it. Yeah, man, New York in that whole album. Yeah. Yeah. So that so that's tough right there. Um. See what else do I have in my playlist? So. I got a bunch of playlists. First of all, I do <laughs> listen to a lot of 90s, um, hip hop. Um. So within that. I got some pun, big pun. Okay. Um, and I've got the locks also. Okay. So even though, you know, Rough Riders wasn't in my keep pile. <laughs> <laughs> you know, still got love for the locks and Chop Call Quest. I Constantly. Remember, yeah. Always. Yeah. I remember um, I was um, helping 
you do something in the house one time and there was, you had a playlist it was like Dipset and like Marvin Sapp it was like the greatest playlist <laughs> it was the greatest playlist I was like this is this is hurting my soul something different <laughs> it was great it was like cause I remember it was definitely like Cameron then like Marvin Sapp then like Jim Jones and then it was like Ty Tribbett it was just great it was a Yo, fan. Wow. It, was a, it was a it was a I don't know what that was but I just was like keep going yeah. <laughs> keep I, I didn't get. I didn't even get into all the gospel <laughs> that I have on my playlist, also. But I feel like it's a reflection of my life. I can't be just one way. I can't just be all R and B or all hip hop yeah. or all gospel all the time. It's like, yeah. you know, different things will will different types of music will help me do different different things that I'm going through yeah. or help me feel a different type of way. So, yeah, I um, I remember like people. I guess people have this perception that I listen to only like. Most different Tabu Kweli. I don't know. <laughs> but, oh, they don't know you. They don't know you well enough. <laughs> they don't know you at so, all. So, like, my playlist is always mad random. That's why, like, it sounds random. Like, I told you, like, five different kinds of genres <laughs> in my playlist. But it's just, I'm always listening to different kinds of music all the time. Yeah. Um, so, what is on the playlist? Um, I do have Champions on there. But I also have, I've got Sade. I've got um, wow. Coltrane. She like sixty now. Yeah, yeah, I am like sixty now. Uh, so, Sade, Coltrane, um, Miles Davis, uh, <laughs> Styles P. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I had to get that new one. Um, I got the Washer Throne album on here. I don't know. I just kind of was in the mood. There's a okay. couple tracks on there. I had to put the Washer Throne album on there. Um, not listening to the entire album, but I put the whole thing on there just in case something caught Wait, my ear. Just in case Otis comes on. Um. <laughs> yeah, Otis. Um, Don't you just love that track, Brothers in Paris? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> very educational. Uh, um, Brothers in Paris. <laughs> I got a little The Weekend on here. I've got some Slaughterhouse freestyles, Truth or Dare freestyle, fire. If you haven't yeah. heard it, listen to it. Slaughterhouse, um, the uh, Warriors by Slaughterhouse. I've got Nasir, the Nasir uh, Nas album. Yeah, I've got Booker Ryan by Royce the Five Nine on here. Bananas. Um, do, 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 do. A couple of freestyles from Jay. Um, the fabulous Jadakiss album, Friday on yeah. Elm Street. That uh, intro track gets me every time. I love that intro track. Tyler Quiley and Styles P, the Seven album. That was the EP. That was only like five tracks. That was really, really good. Okay. Um, I got an EP from The Locks, um, Filthy America. That Styles P on um, Dave East one was good too. Yeah, I got that too. Oh yeah, I got that too. And then just I got Blueprint Three on here. Blueprint Three. <laughs> yeah, I got Blueprint Three on here. Kingdom Come. But um, Dalton hates Kingdom Come. <laughs> I know. I do not hate Kingdom do, Come. Do, do you? I thought do you, you hated Kingdom. It's Come. just not the best album he's ever come out with. Uh, no. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're yeah. right. I'm putting words in. Dalton's I, I just hate certain songs on there. I got the American D- Gangster. DOA is on um, Blueprint Three though. Yes, DOA. So, it's valid. It's okay. Yeah, DOA is, is a reason to put on there. And then some some flyers. I've got um, Robin Thicke on here. Some old Robin Thicke stuff. Um, I don't know why he's, he specified old Robin Thicke. It is old before it, he messed around and lost Paula Patton. Yeah, it was. This is this is pre Paula Patton. This is. Uh, Did anybody else know. listen to that tragic album after he left? No, <laughs> no, no, because I heard too much craziness yeah. about it. I, he, he didn't exist no. to me after Paula Patton. He was yeah. out here whining his life away. <laughs> me, Keith Sweat style. Worse, Jesus! Wow, can't even imagine a world like <laughs> wow, that. Man. No, I can't. I cannot. I mean, but you know what? He 
He was heartbroken, yeah. but he was heartbroken. I don't, heartbroken. But that uh, that album wasn't getting him back. <laughs> but he was trying. That's what I heard. I heard, and I heard that he was crying in performances, like on stage. And I was just yeah. like, "Well, you know, you what? have to pull it together. Yeah, get your life together. <laughs> you man. Have to pull she, together. Yeah, I think she's got a new man now, so hopefully he's moved on as well. Yeah, hopefully, you haven't heard a track yet. Nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> you have not heard a track yet. Next track is gonna be angry. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> All right. Um. There's a few things um, this weekend random. Um, did anybody see the Laquisha movie trailer? Heard about it. Heard about it. So Laquisha is a movie about a white man playing as a black man on radio, a black woman on radio. And this is the problem. And like outside of the blatant racism, it's not even a good movie. It doesn't even sound like a good movie. It sounds like, number one, it's a, it's a, it is the old black woman trope of black woman trope of like hey what why are you looking like that like it's like don't even try it yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah. It, it's terrible it's a it, it looks like a terrible movie it looked like number one i guess the the mindset is like oh let me go against the white chicks thing and everything but number one at that time there was multiple people dressing in white face <laughs> at the time that, that was not the first time that happened I did not. I didn't like white chicks either. I didn't like it either. Stupid. I didn't like. I think it was a stupid movie. Shout out to the Wayne's Brothers because they they do countless amounts of funny things. Yeah, that was that was dumb. That was a stupid movie. And but maybe this is retribution. (laughs) But but but, which is stupid because so stupid. Like number one, that was something that even if it was retribution, what is the point? I, I, let's not let's not let that be the narrative. I don't think it's retribution. I think that Hollywood. I don't blame anyone anyone in Hollywood for writing a script. What I blame it's is who, when people who, who put money it. behind it, and that's what I'm to saying. To make yeah. that script so, a so, reality. So someone decided yeah. to put like, oh, I saw this. Let's pay for this. I have a friend who's yeah, a scriptwriter in Hollywood. Like he he like left his corporate job and decided to write scripts. Um, I don't know if he made it. I mean, but he told me he used to tell me there are some there's so many scripts in Hollywood. Like crazy scripts about things that we won't even speak of on this podcast. They never get made into movies. Laquisha, whatever, should never, never yeah. made a movie. It should, it should have went that far. That yeah. should have died. Yeah, it's crazy. In someone's should, should trapper die, keeper or something. Should have died in pre-production. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> should should have died as soon as ink went to paper. The ink should have ran out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but yeah, I mean it's crazy. Um, and and even with with like with the white chicks thing, like back then that movie. You know, thought it was kind of funny parts of it, but thinking about even how they're about to come out with a white chicks too, I was like, eh, that's bad. I've, ki- I've kind of grown um, a lot since then. What was that over ten years ago? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, mm, not a good idea. It's, about, um, it's a terrible, man. Right. So even the justification of having a white chicks or Laquisha versus a white chicks is just kind of dumb because it's all wrong. Yeah. Right. It's 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 just all something that should just be left alone because it comes from a weird place of pain, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of why either we feel like it's cool to do white face or we as black people or, or you know, white people feeling like it's cool to do movies like Laquisha. Um, and so I just think it's just something that, that everybody just needs to leave alone. Um, it doesn't need to be a movie. Uh, I think the fact that, and I haven't seen a trailer, I've only heard about it. Um, and so I don't know if they're actually if she's actually in white uh, blackface. No, she's just, he's just talking. Yeah, because yeah. She, he, she went for an interview 
over the phone and that's yeah. how they got hired for the black person radio personality yeah um and so uh, yeah i just think the idea is just just it, jacked it, up it, and it, it's a lazy idea yeah, yeah and i even heard a comment from one of the, one of the morning shows that i listen to every day saying yeah well you know if they had someone who was black that was behind it, then it you know it, it would you know it would be better. But I'm thinking, no, no, no. they, they would have they, they, they would have gotten thrown to the wolves if a black person yeah. would have ever get behind something like Absolutely. this. It's a, it's a trash script. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's a, it's a stupid idea. Right. And la- last, um, before we go into T tips, I just want to talk about the Beats trailer. Um, Beats is a movie by um, Anthony Anderson is coming out. I was excited because it's a movie about, um, I guess, a kid who um, produces beats, who makes beats and everything. Yeah. And, like, is there a guy who's coming to help support and everything? I'm excited because it's a hip-hop movie that's not about being messed up by a record label. Because <laughs> <laughs> that happens all the time. Um, every every um, black movie about hip-hop or about um, music, it's always like, uh I was trying to get this, but the record label messed me up. Yep. <laughs> oh, I was trying to get this, but the record label messed me up. I didn't <laughs> like, know I was going to have to give them my firstborn. <laughs> <laughs> I signed this deal. Now I got no money. <laughs> like, TLC, I won a Mac concert. I went platinum, and I got $5. <laughs> and a RAV4. <laughs> <laughs> That's not we can't live. It's, it's, like, it's, it's trash. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, I'm, I, I will be seeing it. I'm, I'll, I'll go and see that movie. It seems interesting. Yeah. I hope you go support it and from there. Um, and then what I want to do is I'm going to talk about – we have the um, BLM T-tips. So T-tips is just um, advice for marketing. The BLM T-tips. So <laughs> the um, subject is artists support artists. When you are looking for an audience for your ne- next event, remember that artists support artists. Creatives support creatives. Whether it is looking for whether it is looking for a place to perform themselves themselves to see how the climate is or just to gain inspiration, focusing on marketing to artists for your event should not be forgotten. Does that mean that you never market to non artists? Of course not. But it does mean that you will have all different types of advertisements geared to the knowledgeable and unknowledgeable about your art form. Um the reason why I say this because a lot of times um, people are trying to figure out who should I market to and they try to find these um, niches to cater to <laughs> and everything. I think we were talking about briefly about just like catering to your audience and everything, catering to the people who support your audience. And you're like, you want to kind of like stop trying to cater to everybody. Stop trying to cater to the whole mass and just cater to your audience. Right. Cater to the people who support you. And a lot of times, um, people who have knowledge about your art are the people who support your art the most, <laughs> yeah. and everything. So if you, if you um any any of your artists out there, just try to figure out what what your niche is and just cater to that audience. Cater to the audience who will be knowledgeable about your art. Stop trying to water down your art for everybody. Right. No, I agree. There's there's definitely enough um, creatives out there that support all the different arts that you can just appeal to people who like, you know, stipple or pointillism or whatever it is you do, spoken word. There's so many fans of that that if you just stay in that lane and perfect it, you'll, yeah, be, you'll be unstoppable. Right. Yeah. And even I mean that's that's advice that's even taken outside of the the artist realm. So artists definitely follow it. I mean in, in corporate we call it don't boil the ocean. Right? So mm. narrow your focus. Narrow your focus on 
what you're really trying to solve for or who your target audience is and Word. just excel in it. Yeah. Yeah. Do do fantastic. All right. So thank you so much everybody for uh taking time and coming. I want to thank Mr. Dalton Gooding and Mr. Mark Francis for coming. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for participating thank you, in this uh first Man Cave edition. I love it. <laughs> of the All Love No Fear podcast. <laughs> I love it. Um and hopefully everybody please support please support us on Facebook please support us on Twitter please support us on Instagram it's the All Love No Fear podcast you can check us on our website alllovenofearpcast.com we are on Spotify we are on Apple Music we are on Google Play Music we are on Stitcher and you can listen to our on our podcast so please if you would like to listen to us choose those platforms tell your friends tell your friends friends tell your enemies let them know And now we bid you adieu. Later. Peace. Later.